Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is not true. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge here on Zero that is both engaging and transforming. And our goal, as always, is to empower you, the listener, to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And we're so glad to have you join us on this illuminating journey. And you continue, you can do, you can continue to do so uh, by calling in on the line three four seven two three seven five two three zero. The chat room is up and running, so you can um, you can join in the chat room and get your thoughts and insights there. Uh, send us an email at PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Follow us on uh, Facebook at Zero Network. Subscribe to the page, like the page, subscribe to the show. And and I just while I'm thinking about, it, I just want to say thank you so much. We have reached a mile high. We've had uh, we've reached the thousand listener mark. And I tell you, I, I I'm so grateful. You know, to know that people have uh, listening. Uh, the last broadcast we had, we had about 500 people listen to the archive show who did, didn't listen to the live show, but they caught they called the archive show and listened to that. And I just want to express my appreciation and thanks to you. You've helped us reach a great milestone, and for that, I am exceptionally grateful. But again, as always, you know, join us. Call it call the number two three three four seven two three seven five two three zero. Get in the chat room, share your thoughts, uh follow us on Facebook at Twitter at Prophesy on Twitter. Um uh Skype, whatever. Uh, we're just glad to have you. Um if you're just a first time listener, uh, Zero is all about sowing seeds of life and liberation through Christ. And we want to make sure that you listen and you enjoy. And you can call in and however you want to do it. We love to have your voice. Uh, so I want to take the time, just before we go further into the broadcast, just to take time to um, say a word of prayer. Uh, God's blessings on the program and uh, uh, lifting up whatever it may be. God, we thank you for another day, another opportunity to be live on the air, another opportunity to share what you, what you have given us. We pray, oh God, it would be acceptable in your sight, both our thoughts and words. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about myths of renewing the mind. And I know, uh, I've gotten a lot of emails about, uh, and, and on my Facebook page, a lot of inboxes about what in the world do I mean by myth. There, we're going to talk. I'm not going. I'm not going to jump the gun, but I, I tell you, we're going to try to have a, a wonderful dialogue, monologue, uh, discussion about uh, that topic. Hopefully, we can uh, 
enlighten, enlighten some of you. Uh, and you can enlighten me. <laughs> I'd love to have that also. Uh, but before before we do that, just, you know, I, I have to make a confession. I am an official iPhone user. I got an iPhone last week. I don't know whether to be happy about it. <laughs> I feel like I defected from, you know, uh, back in the day when they used to have Russians defecting the country because of the socialism that was there. I kind of feel like I, I defected. I, I've been with, uh, you know, Android. I, I don't know how long, I guess, however long Android has been marketed to the general public. I've had an Android-based system phone, system-based phone, and I have fun. And you know, But I got tired of my – the last phone I had, I mean, it was just I – was, I was in this contract, you know, with with an unnamed company. The company shall remain, remain <laughs> anonymous. But, you know, everybody, you know, you get these upgrades, and I wanted to have me a touchscreen phone. I just wanted to have a touchscreen phone, and I got one finally, and I tell you, I had some of the hard, the most, some, some very difficult problems with that phone. I, I mean, I, I had to get three different uh, models of it. I mean, I had to, had to, because um, it kept freezing on me, it locked up, it broke, you, know, you name it, it, I had so many problems with that phone, and I finally got it, finally, uh, when October came, it was time for my upgrade, <laughs> and I wrestled with trying to get, I wanted to get a Samsung Galaxy 3, and I, I you know, um, and I, I bought it to the iPhone hype, you know, I, I guess, so I, I got an iPhone 4, um, and I mean, I, I had an interesting experience. So I, I, I went to the Apple store um, the other evening because, uh, like I said, I just got the iPhone and I was trying to trying to get used to using it and download all these apps and whatnot. And I, I you know, I, I, it was I, I guess some of the apps weren't loading. And so I had a problem downloading the apps, and so I go to the Mac store to see if they could help. And they said, <coughs> "Excuse me." They asked if I had a reservation. I was like, "What? Are you serious? A reservation to get my phone looked at?" And of course, I, I was kind of like, "I was, I was, I was." I was I don't even know how to say what I was. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. I actually need a resident to see a technician. I used to be able to just take you to the place and leave it there. But now, you know, it's too sophisticated, too sophisticated you know. I'm cool and hip, and they be able to get a reservation to see the um, genius counter. <laughs> so I get there, and... And I'm so dumbfounded, y'all. I, I really, I have no idea about this device. And the young man who helped me out, I tell you, he was, you know, I felt, <laughs> I can't, I, I, I felt like a first grader <laughs> learning this thing. And, and it's not, it's not that the phone is sophisticated. It's just that I had no idea. You know, I read through the instructions and, and went online and all that stuff. But what can I say? I'm, I'm trying, y'all. Y'all pray for Pastor Neil. He really trying. I mean, I I do feel cooler already, though. <laughs> I I really do. I do feel cooler already. Just having, just having his iPhone. So we'll see how this works out. I locked it to a contract, and uh, we'll see what what happens. But I have been having fun with this iPhone, learning it, and downloading some cool apps that I think will be. Some are necessary and some, well, they just fun. And I'm already addicted to a game on here, on one of the games. So, all right, moving on. That's enough of self disclosure for today. <laughs> so, I'm I'm sure plenty of you are aware about the presidential uh, debates. Vice pres Vice presidential debate will be happening tomorrow evening between Joe Biden. And um, Paul Ryan, and it is it's 
uh, gearing up to be an interesting one because everyone knows Joe Biden is not one to mince his words. Uh, I'm not sure how he is as far as debating, but he is not one to mince words, and he won't hold back, I'm sure, with the the fire. Now, Powell Ryan, on the other hand, um, is comes across as a little timid but forceful, So I, 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 uh, and he's been practicing his debate. Through his speeches, so he won't uh, have any the back, you know, any any gaffes or whatever. But it should, it should be better than last week. Um, last week, a lot of people were disappointed in the performance of President Obama. And I must say this: President Obama is a wonderful speaker, probably the best, one of the best orators we have in the country today. Uh, certainly, one of the best presidential orators we've had in a while. Um. But um, he showed his weakness last last weekend. Um, I wrote it off. It was his wife. He and his wife's 20th anniversary. I wrote it off as him just really rather be with his wife, rather wanted to be with his wife than debating. But uh, I don't know. But um, the biggest thing that came out of that uh, presidential debate last week was not so much the fact that. Um, Romney really stepped up and came across as a bit more presidential-like, uh, presidential-esque. I guess that's a word in his in his debate. And some say he smashed President Obama. Some say um, President Obama held back because he didn't want to be um, come across as the angry black man. Um, and depends on who you talk to, uh, lose or win, the victory went to. Mitt Romney, but there was one thing that stood out throughout the whole debate last week, and that was uh, some words that Mitt Romney made about defunding Sesame Street. Y'all got to excuse me. My puppy is trying; he's really trying to get my attention while I'm doing the show. Sometimes I wonder why I even let him in the studio. <laughs> I love him. He's he's. Turning nine this nine months this this month and and he's one heck of a thing I tell you that much anyway so uh, <clears throat> excuse me uh, Mitt Romney made a statement last week about defunding um, defunding PBS and and this is what he this is uh, this is what he said now he said. To uh, Jim Lair, who was the moderator, he, he said, I love PBS. I love Big Bird. I actually like you, but I'm not going to keep on spending money on things to borrow money from China to pay for it. And so with with that, with those, uh, with that one sentence or those two sentences and the, the mention of Big Bird, what we have been witnessing is <laughs> – uh, Sesame Street going gangster. I mean, I'm sure some of you probably see it on Facebook. <laughs> Arresting the Muppets, you know, Bert and Ernie and um, all the characters. Cookie Monster. <laughs> I've seen some crazy things with Cookie Monster. Um, and, of course, Big Bird made the appearance on uh, Saturday Night Live. that got so many trends and tweets and all this stuff. It was just ridiculous. I mean, it was ridiculous. But anyway... So, <clears throat> so he, he he makes a statement about Big Bird, and all of a sudden, uh, the 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 rhetoric that is pushed out by uh, Obama's camp centered around Big Bird. Even a thirty second ad, and I tried to get the ad. I, I really tried to download the ad, uh, the commercial that ran in several states. That mentioned Bernie Madoff and all these other guys who are uh, <laughs> who who you know embezzlers or did all kinds of stuff and and then it said that at the top the man behind it all was Big Bird <laughs> and that and the, the the trending phrase has been that Mitt Romney would support Sesame Street but take down I mean support Wall Street but take down Sesame Street and I'm like oh God come on now. 
both uh both of these campaigns have been been uh, appealing to pathos. It, it's been pathetic, and I say pathetic from the sense that it's been appealing to the emotions of people. And you've seen so many people rallying behind the cry for save Sesame Street. And the reality is, PBS, along with other many many other many other, including some corporations, uh, receive billions of dollars in government subsidies for doing very little. Um, now, Sesame Street itself is not funded by PBS. It is not funded. Uh, it is not funded by the government. Now, it did receive. Uh, well, Sesame Street is funded by corporate sponsors and donations. You know, public donations through the Children's Television Network or Workshop or, uh, or something of that nature. You know, they are the ones who actually. Uh, that that's where the funding and a vast majority of Sesame Street funding comes from merchandising. Think about it now. You got the Sesame Street clothes, you got the Sesame Street dolls, you got the the music, you got all this stuff. And that's from Sesame Street. Matter of factly, <laughs> Sesame Street is in its own self, you know, is self perpetuating as far as income. So it it's not reliant on government subsidies. However, uh the Sesame Street work, workshop which is and is is a, another entity under the umbrella of Sesame Street and under the umbrella of uh, te- Children's Television Network, all that stuff. It's separate. Uh, it received federal stimulus money um, in 2009. It received the federal stimulus money, and it benefited it, it benefited the viewers. It benefited you know the educational purposes of Sesame Street. It did, however, did not, however, stimulate jobs, which was the, the stimulus money was intended to do. So, in that sense, yes, it was wasted spending. But, <laughs> you know, for people to rally around the cry uh, of Big Bird is 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 funny to me. <laughs> it really is. So those are just two things I I thought was funny. I just thought I'd share with you. Um, but we're gonna take a break, and when we come back from the break, and after I finish. Doing something with that puppy of mine. I don't know what I'm going to do with him, but after I finish, <laughs> after this break, we're gonna we're gonna get into the topic today: myths about renewing the mind, and um, it's going to be a wonderful journey. So make sure you tune in and call in as we get ready to jump into this topic for today. We'll be right back after this message. Mostly for like small stuff. Wow. Look at her go. She's pretty good. 
pretty good. Hey, Flowbot. Great job. Oops. Uh-oh, Flowbot is broken. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. Call or click today. It was the best day. And the great outdoors. We make a great pair. Right. Totally. Uh, that's what I was thinking. All kinds of vehicles, all kinds of savings. Multi-policy discounts from Progressive. Call or click today. It's our favorite. Yours and mine. Because we found it together. On a walk, walk, walk. Love to walk. A long walk. A, a walk with you. A walk I smelled squirrels on. But I stayed by your side because I could tell, could feel that you had a bad day and me being bad wouldn't make it any better. But being there was already helping a little anyway. And then we found that wonderful thing waiting there, waiting for you and me. And you smiled and threw it. And I decided right when I picked it up, I would never, ever leave it anywhere, ever. Because that wonderful bouncy roll around thing had made you play, and that had made you smile. Put more play in your day. Beneful. Play. It's good for you. Welcome back to Zero. Today, again, this is your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And uh, today we're talking about renewing, a myth of renewing the mind. And I, I tell you, having a pet is wonderful. <laughs> he just, I've just been watching him just play around it. I think my dog has ADHD. He just can't sit still, can't keep still. He's going from toy to toy, just roaming around and then comes and just looks at me when I look at him, just gives me these stare, this face like, what? I'm not doing anything. And right now he's finding something else to chew on. I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I, if you don't have a pet, get a pet. You know, pets are wonderful. And in therapy, I, I, I have uh, encouraged the use of pet as pet therapy, especially for uh, for children uh, and post traumatic stress uh, disorder. They suffer from that. Any kind of trauma, pet therapy is wonderful for them. All right, I, I digress. So anyway, welcome back. We're talking about myth of uh, renewing the mind, and uh, we are glad that you're joining us again. I want to thank you for helping our show reach a milestone of a thousand listeners and subscribers, and uh, keep on doing it. And if you ever miss a live show, you can always go back to. You can go to blogtalkradio.com slash zero today and catch an archive show from two years back. Uh, we've been doing this for two years, and God is blessed, and uh, we appreciate it. And we don't ask anything for you to support us, but we, we appreciate your thoughts and your prayers, and, and most of all, conversation dialogue. So keep it coming, and we'll keep doing it as long as we can. Anyway, so we're talking about myths of renewing the mind, or shortly, uh uh, renewing the mind. If you want to get on the air, call two three uh three four seven two three seven five two three zero. Chat room is open. Uh so uh, those are two ways that you can uh join the discussion live. And uh we're looking forward to hearing that. So what when we hear the word myth, I mean what what comes to your mind? The first thing that comes to your mind is, you know, probably something like John Bunyan. <laughs> Uh, you know that kind of myth, uh, or the the Greek mythology that we hear. You know, Achilles. Uh, um, what what are the other ones? Um, Oedipus and all those um, those Greek 
tragedies, those Greek stories. Uh, you think about Heracles and or <laughs> to bring it bring it to modern day clash of the titans. <laughs> you know those kind. That's usually what we think about when we hear myth. Um, and um, it it, it connotates it denotes you know a, a sense of falsehood. I guess you could say. And uh, yes, that that is that is a part of it, but it's not all of it. Uh, mythology is is rich in in every faith tradition, actually, especially in Christianity. But we're going to get into that because uh, uh, this show is not about uh, myths in the Bible or myths of the Bible. It's, you know, it's not about that. There's some who would argue that, and to some credibility. Uh, uh, the myths of the Bible, uh, myths in the Bible, stories um, like Adam and Eve, the creation story, um, several other uh, Old Testament in particular events, you know, as mythological in nature. So, I, you know, you got to get, you know, well, let's define what a myth is. And, and you can you know, go to a dictionary and find it. And there are several several definitions, but in the context that we are discussing of myth, uh, definition would be an unapproved, an unproved or false collective belief that is used to justify a social institution. I'll say that again. Uh, myth can be defined, uh, this is by one dictionary, as an unproved or false collective belief that is used to justify a social institution. Um, uh, Webster, uh, Webster defines it another way. Also, Webster says that a myth can be defined as a popular belief or tradition that has grown up around something or someone, especially one embodying the ideals and institutions of a society or a segment. Of society, again, uh, Webster uh, definition: popular belief or tradition that has grown up around something or someone, uh, especially, especially embody one embodying the ideals and institutions of a society or a segment of society. And when you look at it from that perspective. Um, and and we're talking about renewing the mind. There are several there's several examples that we could use to to justify that definition and to apply that that definition to what we're talking about when we're talking about renewing the mind. First one, uh, in, in the secular sense, for example, this is October, and in the more recent history, the first thing that comes to mind, aside from Halloween. When you think about the month of October, is breast cancer. Why? Because um, the those who uh, promulgate breast cancer awareness, those who promote uh, breast care, cancer awareness, have done such a wonderful job in reconditioning the mind of people to understand and be aware of breast cancer through. Wearing pink in some capacity. <laughs> now, several years ago, uh, that would not have, I mean, for men, for men, you would have never caught or rarely caught a man wearing any kind of pink at all. But now, we've been reconditioned to the point that when October rolls around, it is automatic, it's an automatic reaction in application to wear pink, and it's even gone so far as to have infiltrated professional sports. Whereas uh, now during the NFL season, NFL season, every team has pink. You know, they have pink uh, wristbands, pink sneakers, and pink somewhere on their jerseys. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> man wouldn't man wouldn't have worn pink back in the day. No, sir. No, sir, because pink meant that you had a little honey and a little sugar in you. Uh, you know, even when worn tastefully, it was questionable. 
I'm just, I'm just saying you ain't got to agree with me. I'm just saying that that was reality. Men generally did not wear pink because you were conditioned from birth. I mean, from birth, pink is for girls, blue is for boys, and you know if you wear pink, uh, you had a little, you were a little too in touch with your feminine side. But now it is um, commonly accepted, socially approved that pink is to be worn the entire month of October as a means of raising awareness for the disease of breast cancer. Um, Now, it's interesting that that is happening because, again, that took years of social conditioning and behavioral change to adapt. And, And now, you know, like myself, I have no problem wearing pink at all. As a matter of fact, I, you know, I have a few pink ties, a few pink suits. Um, I have quite a few things. No, no, no. I, I mean not pink suits, shirts. Not pink suits. <laughs> I just call myself on that. I don't have pink suits, people. I do have pink shirts <laughs> and ties. But I do not, and I emphasize, I do not have pink suit. Boy, that would be really pimping. I mean, that would be really pimping if I did. Uh, Really, really pimping if I had pink suits. Uh, Anyway, so that, that, that mind renewal didn't occur until uh, 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 a myth was presented to attach it to. The myth, of course, presented through uh, the segment of society that wanted to not only um, raise money to um, address the issue of breast cancer, but also uh, serve as a means of encouraging those who were not aware and, and, and enabling those who are survivors and, uh, and or current sufferers, patients uh, dealing with breast cancer, and, and they've done a wonderful job. They've done a wonderful job of doing that because now we automatically fall into that. And the church has also done that. I, I know we don't like to think about it, but the church has surrounded, has built traditions around mythologies. Uh, and in doing so, we have we have um, renewed our mind and changed our behavior, uh, patterns of behavior within the constraints of worship and um, holiness and sanctification and all that stuff. And I know some of you probably wondering, what do you mean? Isn't it as simple as going to Scripture and changing your way? Well, well, let's go to Scripture. What's the first Scripture that comes to mind when you think about renewing the mind? Of course, it's Romans 12, Romans 12 and 2. What does Romans 12 and 2 say? Say, hold up, let me get it right. Um, see, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Let me read it from another uh, translation here. Uh, let's see, that was the King James. Let's, let's find a... a what does the New Living Translation say? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. NIV, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And um, one more. Let's give one more here. Uh, new American standard. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind so you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So that's what we usually go to. So, But the scripture presents two things. It presents confirmation, conforming, and it presents transforming. And to, to get a better understanding, you actually have to go back to Romans chapter 8. Because Romans chapter 8 really deals with um, this mind thing. And when we're talking about, when we're talking about uh, renewing the mind, we're actually, we're, in, the, in the sense of the church, we're actually talking about uh, changing behavior. 
changing behavior doesn't start. You know, it, it take it takes time. Not only does it take time, but it takes a lot of propaganda. And uh, the Christian church has managed to do so over the centuries because think about it. As the Christian church expanded, uh, the Western Christian church expanded uh, into more pagan areas, they actually assimilated those uh, those pagan traditions into uh, into its praxis. And, and those pagan traditions have stayed with us today, you know. Think about uh, December 25th, Christmas, and now we all know that that has been debunked, and we we all know that that is not the right date or anything like that, and we know it was during the winter solstice, and it was actually a pagan, you know, pagan tradition that was brought into the Christian church tradition, and yet we continue to observe that willfully <laughs> at that, you know, and you have to question that. Uh, but what I, what I, what, I, what the point I'm trying to make is that that conditioning has played a great role and, and plays a part in renewing the mind. And for so many, uh, we don't want to think about conditioning. We don't think about because uh, when when we're talking about conforming, conforming is conditioning. And when you're talking about conditioning, that involves behavior. And when you're talking about behavior. That is what is uh, to be mastered. One who controls another's behavior controls their mind, or uh, or vice versa. It's probably a better application. If you control the mind, you can control the behavior. Uh, this is cognitive cognitive behavioral uh, therapy. We do it in the education system, and when training my puppy, I, 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 it's really good. When training my my puppy, I, I want to desire behavior. I I condition him to do so and reward him when he does the uh, desired behavior, like not chewing on one of my whatever that is he's chewing on at the moment. Just I, I, <laughs> yeah, it looks like what is that? But I tell you, my dog just I don't know what to say. Y'all pray for me anyway. So, conditioning the mind changes the behavior. The changed behavior affects not only the application of a person, you know, to principles, but also a, uh, retention of that principle. Yeah, because the more the person is conditioned, conditioned to think some a particular way, the more likely they are to retain that and teach that, and, and it goes for. Forward and forward and forward, and that's why the authors in in Deuteronomy stress teaching uh, these things. Well, when he said, you know, teach the law to your children, and have the children teach to their children, because that there was a continuity of thought, and that caused continuity of thought was to affect their behavior. And of course, we know that through study of scripture that that wasn't always. Uh, uh, effective because they did stray quite a bit, um, and we saw what happened when they strayed quite a bit. And if we look in our own lives, we can see what happens when we uh, stray quite a bit. But uh, that's just what you know. So it talks about conforming and transforming. And conforming is adapting to precepts and ideas that were not previously adhered to or held to, and we see this again. My uh, the, the analogy that I gave with breast cancer awareness, uh, uh, we didn't previously adhere to that, but we adapt to it. We have adapted it; it's become mainstream, and uh, um, and becoming mainstream, it is no longer taboo. Um, and so that that's what's what's actually trying to happen in the church. There are a lot of things that are trying to bring mainstream that. Uh, that are not one of those issues, of course, is homosexuality, uh, or rather homosexual marriage. And when you present it in the in the way it's being presented, as we're just you know, some people just you know they're just regular people and things of that nature, and and I I, I don't even have a good uh, good argument for that, so I'm gonna leave that alone. But that's one way of putting. Listen, I'm gonna take a quick break and we're gonna fin- we're gonna continue this discussion. We're gonna expose some more scripture. 
uh, some more scriptures about this uh, myth of renewing the mind. And not only will we, will we explore some more scriptures, but we will actually talk a little bit more about what what still again how is this mythology associated with renewing the mind? How is this uh, how is this collective belief? Uh, justifying social institutions within the church or Christian institutions. Uh, and again, feel free to call in 347-237-5230. That's what we are talking about, and if we'd love to have you join in the conversation. And we'll be back right after these, this break. Hey friends, if you're in the Jackson, Mississippi area, I would like to take the time to invite you to join myself and the New Bethel AME Church family for a wonderful series of home group studies that we are engaging. Studies include topics such as asking God your hardest questions. Other topics will be discovering every man's battle dealing with sexuality and sexual sins for men. So there's so many other things that we're involved in. And I'd like to take the time just to invite you to come out to New Bethel Amy Church in 2202 Decatur Street, Jackson, Mississippi, and join us for these and many other wonderful classes and opportunities just to share in God's Word. Um, always welcome to come, and we'd love to have you there. As New Bethel, come on out and share a time of fellowship and study and insight with us. Thank you.
All right, all right. Welcome back to Zero Today again. I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. We're talking about the myth of renewing the mind. And you are welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Call the line three four seven two three seven five two three zero. The lines are open if you want to share. Uh chat room is open and uh um you can share in there also and however you do it, we just appreciate it. Um thank you. So before the break before the break I was talking about um we define what uh, myth is, and we uh, the definition we're working with is a false collective belief that is used to justify a social institution. And when we were talking about renewing the mind, we went to Romans uh, 12. And in Romans 12, what, what we find is that, or 12 and 2 in particular, verse 12 and 2, we find two words, conform and transform. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, transformation, we talked about confirmation being uh, confirmation or conforming being um uh, adapting a uh a, a view that you previously did not hold or or behavior in a sense uh that you pre not uh previously did not hold. Uh when we go back to Romans chapter eight we see um we see this in the context that can can validate the argument that Paul is presenting about non conformation, uh not conforming. Why? Because he's saying the mind has been removed renewed and you should no longer behave like you once thought. And Paul writes again a great deal about this in, in Galatians 5 when he says that, you know, we were all once former something. You know, we once walked in the lusts of our flesh and, and that discourse about the flesh lusting against the spirit and the works of the flesh and things of that nature that is reflected not only in Ephesians but also uh, not only in Galatians but also in Ephesians uh, 4 and in Colossians uh, so where he discusses these works of the flesh and behaviors, uh, those conditional behaviors that should be changed upon um, a saving faith in Christ and the sanctification and indwelling and filling of the Holy Spirit that not not uh, not only changes one's um, condition in regards to sin, but one's condition in regards to behavior, outward behavior, because the expression of the outward behavior is reflected of the inward change of the Holy Spirit, and in doing so, you know, the the mind changes. And Paul Paul does a great job, particularly in Romans chapter eight, and we're going to go there and talk a little bit about that. Romans chapter eight, as well as First uh, Corinthians chapter two, um, those two texts. Excuse me, those two texts primarily talk deal with the the uh, the word mind and. When we talk about uh and he also uh he doesn't go directly he doesn't address directly in, in Timothy and Titus, but he does address uh what I like to uh, go into it a little bit later is the fact that he uh uh the 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 stories that evolve over time that become part of the Christian narrative. And matter, matter of fact, we'll, we'll just go there. That's it's first Timothy and four. First Timothy four, where it talks about seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, um, in the latter days, and in verse seven of that chapter, First Timothy four and seven, it talks about uh, refusing profane and old wives' fables, um, and give yourselves over to godliness. Now, the word there, fable, in in this chapter four, verse seven. Is actually the Greek word muthos, and it's from it's the word that we get when transliterated, we get our word myth. And so when Paul is talking about, Paul is talking about, don't pay attention to the stories and the myths that eventually become a part of the narrative of religious faith. And you'd be surprised how many people uh, <laughs> really have bought into that. For example, in the Christian church, um, uh, we've gotten away from the doctrine of sanctification, uh, holiness, that tradition that that was perpetuated largely through the Wesleyan movement of John and Charles Wesley and their, their view of sanctification that gave way to the um, Great Awakening in the Americas in 17th and 18th centuries, I mean 18th and 19th centuries, that gave away, 
that gave way to the Pentecostal uh, church of the 20th century and has, you know, that has really devolved into this great array of charismatic churches and uh, non-denominational churches that we are now that are now on the scene, and not all of them are mega churches, uh, but various various uh, influxes of that uh, holiness movement is still still present. But the overall trending thought at at the turn of the 20th century was fundamentalist Christians and um, holiness sanctified, you know, strictly by the book. And and as time has progressed, what we have seen is a more tolerant, um, pluralistic, uh, pluralistic view of and interpretation, liberal interpretation of scripture. And it has it has its strength and it has its weaknesses. And I'm, I'm not to argue against either. No, I'll argue either. What I'm arguing is that that has in there has been, uh, you know, the myths have been uh, influencing behavior in the Christian church. What do I mean by the myth? Uh, for example, uh, as time has progressed and as the church has become more liberal, and I'm not saying liberal in the sense of. Um, uh, of doctrine, I'm saying liberal in the sense of tolerance, uh, where we want, you know, when I was a kid, women, the women, girls could not wear pants in the church at all. You know, you know, you know that wasn't, and that was in the Baptist church. You know, I remember when we come to choir rehearsal, the girls had to, uh, if they didn't have a skirt, there was a skirt at the church for them that they could put on over their pants. You know, I, I, it, it is, it's funny now, but that was the reality. You didn't walk into the church without wearing a, a skirt. Uh, in some churches, you know, you didn't walk. Females did not walk into the church without their head being covered, and the men did not wear their head covered. And when I was a young preacher, younger preacher, you didn't walk into the pulpit without a jacket and a tie. Uh, and as we have progressed, you know, we we uh, it was really legalistic in a way, and this created a legalistic behavior because the ideal. And again, going back to the definition, and I just want to stick to the definition. Uh, the uh, tradition that grew up around the behavior of the appearance of sanctification, the appearance. Of holiness, and you know, in, in in the Pentecostal tradition, you know, makeup, uh, you didn't cut your hair, things of the nature, and even in the uh, Pentecostal church and apostolic churches, I've noticed that even has shifted, where they've become a little more less restrained, and uh, you know, now down here in the South, it's still living. <laughs> You still gonna find them good old uh, Pentecostal ain't gonna cut their hair, you know, things of that nature. But uh, there, there's, the collective belief has began to become, one, more pluralistic and tolerant, and secondly, less uh, – we've become a little bit more uh, fluid in the expression of uh, the flesh, plain and simple. Um, so what do I mean by uh, the myth of renewing the mind? When people come to the church, it's generally assumed that they're coming um, – and they're adopting the behavior of the church, whereas the behavior of the church may say, well, "This is how we do. This is what we uh, we we believe, and this is how we're going to practice and carry out that belief." And what you have, you find that um, those churches who do so, well, they may grow, they may decrease, depends on the people. But now, what what's, what's happening is, as again, uh, the myth is that Jesus loves you just as you are. And that myth has perpetuated <laughs> a gargantuan amount of uh, relativistic thinking and practices that basically almost uh, do grave injustices to people when it comes to holiness and sanctification. Simply because of the fact that people feel that they don't have to 
They don't have to do anything. When they think about transforming, well, I am transforming by coming to church, or I am transforming by participating in this activity that's related to church. I'm transforming. I'm not necessarily conforming because I don't have to change because God loves me just the way I am. And if I change, I'm changing for someone else and not for God. The reality is uh, there's a certain aspect of adaption and conform, uh, conforming that has to be done when you become in the body of Christ. Why? Because let's go to Romans 8, and it basically says that uh, there's still the opp- there's still that opportunity to be carnally minded and in the church. Now, I know folks don't like to think about that, but that's just the reality. There is still the opportunity to be carnally minded and be in the church. Romans 8 says this, uh, again, verse 5, they are who after flesh don't mind the things of the flesh, or do mind the things of the flesh, but they are uh, who are after the spirit, mind the things of the spirit. And the word mind here um, denotes two things, um, because it, it's, uh, the tense uh, of the phrase is, is, is present active indicative. In other words, it's present tense. Is um, do mind that 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 phrase there is uh, uh, what is it? Froneo, I think it's something like that. Um, but the implication is that this is an active, uh, ongoing in, in uh, behavior, and um, it indicates uh, feeling, understanding, all of that, thinking to uh, your. The, the the way we uh look at ourselves and the way we uh think of ourselves um the way we th- direct our mind to to think or to strive for and so it's indicative of all of that and when we're saying when when Paul is uh Paul is basically saying that um that the person who is um that are uh, are still clinging to some things that they're used to uh, without letting them go, have the tendency to allow that to in, uh, affect their behavior, even as Christians. And, and verse 7 uh, is is probably, in Romans 8, verse 7, probably one of the harshest things that we we, we don't like to say in the church. Uh, the carnal mind, and that's what it talks about, the carnal mind uh, being an enemy of God or being against God, uh, and when we're thinking about the carnal mind, we we have to think about the flesh. Flesh doesn't want to do with things that please God, and we understand that. Um, uh, and when we think about um, hatred, we don't like to think about the fact that uh, we cause God. We, we, you know, God hates stuff. God hates when we sin. God hates when we go against His will. He loves us, uh, and it's only His grace and mercy that keeps us because we don't get what we deserve. And the myth is, and I'm almost running out of time on this already. Wow, I uh, spent too much time talking about other stuff. But but the myth is is that we we often cost ourselves. We we do a great amount of damage to ourselves when we are not challenging ourselves to conform to the image of God, because he said that we are conform we uh, we are the first he is the firstborn of many brothers, and we have to be conformed to his image. He's the image of the invisible God. Uh, we understand him to be holy, loving, long suffering, patient, kind, all that stuff, and and the fruit of the spirit, a fruit of his spirit is 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 that also. So, look, I'm running out of time uh, on, on regular time, and we're going to go out of, off the air, but um, I'm going to continue. Uh, well, no, uh, we'll, we'll have to probably come back up on this again. Uh, but, I, again, I thank you so much. I hate that I had to cut this off. It was I was getting into it. I'm sure you're probably enjoying it also. And if you have any questions about it, simply shoot us an email at pastorlorenzoneal.gmail.com, and uh, we, we'll try to do inquiry again. Uh, try to answer your inquiry. Give us a call. We appreciate all that. But till then, we have to see you on the flip side because we are now out of time. Thank you. God bless you. We'll 